0: Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin.
1: And I'm Kimberly Robinson.
0: This is your sneak peek for the week of March 22nd, another light outing for the court (laughs) with just one argument a day, Monday through Wednesday. There's a bit of a search and seizure theme to the cases this week. But first, Kimberly, you have a story out this week headlined, Biden on pace to flip positions at Supreme Court more than Trump. Tell us what this new bad boy in town has been up to.
1: (laughs) Well, this is about uh, the Solicitor General's office changing the federal government's position in cases that are pending before the Supreme Court. And this is something that, you know, I've been watching over the past decade, and that's because Obama officials really caught some heat for changing positions. But it seems like mm, it's more tolerated a bit more today, at least under the Trump administration, um, as background. Uh, These were generally pretty rare, uh, as they can affect the credibility of the Solicitor General's Office, um, who is sometimes called the 10th Justice because of the deference that the justices have traditionally given to the office. Um, But under Trump, they became less rare. and that is to say they became more frequent. So listeners may recall that uh, to kick off the 2017 term, the United States actually faced off against well, the United States. So the uh, Trump administration had changed positions in a labor case. So we saw the SG arguing against the National Labor Relations Board, which uh, was kind of weird. But now it's Biden's turn to change all those positions. And we've actually seen uh, the administration do so in a number of cases, uh, maybe even more so than um, the Trump administration when they were kicking it off. So we've seen... You know, Biden changed stances in the Affordable Care Act case, voting rights, which we've talked about, sort of they changed their position in um, a sentencing case most recently, uh, California donor disclosure law and union organizing, which is a case that we're going to talk about uh, later in the episode. So this is uh, kind of an in- an incomplete story so far.
0: Um, it's the first in a series. <laughs> Make it more exciting. Right.
1: Um, But while the Trump administration got criticized for their changes, they ended up convincing the justices in a lot of those cases to actually adopt their changed position. So, um, you know, I'm going to be watching. Uh, in the case coming up this week, uh, and also, you know, in future cases on where the justices come out on these changed positions.
0: So if Biden is on pace to flip more than Trump, is that just a function of how quickly the cases are coming up? If he's just flipping Trump's positions, how could it be more?
1: Well, I mean, he's not flipping positions in every case where the Trump administration flipped Obama administration positions. He's flipping positions in cases that the Trump administration kind of took the first stab at the issue. Um, And so like the Affordable Care Act, this is something that while it was litigated under Obama, um, this particular case and what's at issue here was not something that um, came up until the Trump administration. So they filed their brief, they made their argument and then the biden administration said Whoa, well, hey we don't agree with this so it, it's more in the sense that they're doing it more frequently than the trump administration had done um, but you know as to why it's happening whether or not it's timing or whether or not it's because the trump administration took these kind of you know counter institutional positions uh, that's really a, a matter of opinion i guess
0: all right so let's get into one of these cases where they change position right and that's the First case is going to be argued this week on Monday, Cedar Point Nursery.
1: That's right. So uh, Cedar Point Nursery versus Hassid. This concerns a longtime California law that permits union organizers to access agricultural workers at their employment site. So this is a law that's actually been in place since the 1970s, and it withstood a challenge in the state Supreme Court early on. and it allows union officials to access employment sites three times a day, over 120 days per year, Uh, Notably, there's a similar federal law that gives union organizers access to employees, but that law excludes agricultural workers. So California's law just fills in this gap. Um, But here, agricultural employers, Cedar Point being a strawberry farm, yum, delicious, uh, these agricultural employers sued, saying that the law amounts to a governmental taking that requires compensation under the Constitution's taking clause. And so the question here for the justices is whether whether a temporary taking, you know, one that's, it's not 24 seven, that, you know, these union organizers are allowed to be on the property, the question is whether a temporary taking can be a per se regul- regulatory taking. So uh, as we talked about up at the top, the government here has changed positions. And this is really, I think, one of the first cases where we might see the justices question the Biden administration on their change in position. So that's, that's something I'm going to be looking out for. And I'll let you know. Please let me know. And then, Jordan, you said there's kind of a search and seizure theme to the next two cases. Tell us about it.
0: Sure. So on Tuesday, the case the court is hearing is U.S. against Cooley. The question here is if a tribal police officer can detain and search a non-Indian on a public road within a reservation for suspected violations of state or federal law. Joshua Cooley moved to suppress gun and drug evidence In his federal prosecution, the evidence was found in his truck after an officer for the Crow tribe in Montana detained him. The Ninth Circuit said the officer didn't have jurisdiction to detain Cooley, a non-Indian, and search his vehicle without first making any attempt to determine whether he was in fact an Indian. The Justice Department says this ruling diminishes tribal sovereignty and impedes state and federal law enforcement on reservations. So here we have, Kimberly, the latest battle over tribal sovereignty in a criminal case following last year's big decision in McGirt, which affirmed the Creek Reservation in Oklahoma for purposes of federal prosecutions.
1: Okay, Jordan. So that's the first case on Tuesday. What's up for Wednesday?
0: So this one might sound familiar, Knigley against Strom. And the reason it sounds familiar is we literally were just talking about this on our deep dive episode last week. The issue here is whether the community caretaking exception to the Fourth Amendment's warrant requirement extends to the home. The court previously applied it in the context of vehicle searches, allowing warrantless searches for non-criminal reasons. And so we'll see what the court says here about the doctrine, where a man sued officers who seized his guns from his home after his wife called the cops, worried he might be suicidal.
1: Right. So the issue here is whether or not that can extend to the home rather than just the vehicle. Um, I think that'll be an interesting one to see how some of the more libertarian justices, some of the Trump appointees, you know, kind of balance. Um, you know, law enforcement requirements with, you know, this idea of the home being a castle.
0: Right. I think we've seen sort of unofficially in the Fourth Amendment cases, the ones where perhaps the justices can envision themselves, not necessarily in this particular fact pattern, but wanting their home protected as opposed to, say, being on the side of the road loaded up with guns and meth.
1: Well, now you're just making assumptions. (laughs) Uh, well, I think that's going to do it until next week, where we'll have our another sneak peek. Until then, you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com. And make sure to check out our TikTok.
2: Hi, this is Adam Allington, the host and producer of Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Law. It isn't hyperbole to say that the murder trial of George Floyd is likely to be one of the most significant court cases in a generation. In fact, in the nine months since Floyd's death at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer, the name George Floyd has become synonymous with a growing movement for police reform, as well as a massive racial reckoning that has spread to all corners of American society. As the trial unfolds, the Uncommon Law podcast will be reporting on the trial in real time, or quasi real time. Given the amount of interest in this case and the impact it's sure to have, we felt that it was important to be part of that discussion. So if you find yourself interested in this case, either in terms of social justice or because of the legal theories and precedents it touches on, or just because you might be on your own journey learning about issues of race and racism, then I think this is the podcast for you. Just click download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.